Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast this week that is being pumped up and fired up by the Jacob Banks song, Move With You. So, <laughs> go ahead, go check it out. Great song, great song. My name is Tosin and I am your host up in the, not that far from where Jacob Banks is from actually, he's from Birmingham. I'm just outside Birmingham in Worcestershire, in a county called Worcestershire in the UK. Joining me as always on the Isle of Wight are Sharon Bollen. Hello. And Sean Harris. Hiya. You know, it's funny, right? Whenever I use our last names, I feel I feel like this is just so much more grown up of a podcast. <laughs> I, I, I feel like when I use our last names, I feel like, oh, my God, we actually sound professional here. We're <laughs> real people. All right. Cool. For those of you who might not have listened to the podcast before, what we do on Netflix versus cinema is we go to the cinema each week we watch a couple of things we try and limit it to three so three things that we've watched in the cinema this week and we come back and we rate them out of five we also watch things at home on netflix and other streaming platforms and we rate them out of five and at the end of the show we would tell you where do we think our money has been better spent this week has it been better spent in netflix or has it been spent in the cinema actually leaving our houses so this week shall we kick off with the cinema and tell us what have we seen in the cinema sean Okay, well, in the cinema, I went to see they've they re-released the Clockwork Orange, which I think is a, is a terrific piece of, of uh, a film, Kubrick film. I, I watched that twice, and then I also watched uh, Twelve Mighty Orphans. So, All right, cool. Mm. So we will be using Twelve Mighty Orphans, Mighty because, Orphans because one of our rules on this show is that you can't bring in a film that you've already watched before, <laughs> because <laughs> because that would just be unfair. Because we I just talk- I just wanted to pl- <laughs> plug that because it's just really nice that they've re-released it. And it didn't yeah, seem date. It didn't seem dated at all, which I know it, it, you think it would. You would think it would be dated, but it doesn't seem dated. And I, I think I think there's elements of a Clockwork Orange that will actually see stupidly um, relevant to today. Relevant, yeah. <coughs> possibly, possibly. I, I think it's one of those things that you know will make people start saying things like, "Ooh, Kubrick, he was a visionary. He saw the future and he put it on film." <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's so much that, but it's like like with Shan- I mean. It's just the camera work, you know. It's like the the montages, like the films, like when we went to see um, Barry Lyndon, Sharon. Yeah. You know, there's that's that's all in there. It's all sort of uh, fantastic imagery, and and it's just I don't know. I think it's just the way that the whole thing's shot. Yeah, yeah. Go. Cool. I I once met a guy on a film set who said that you know the steady cam work on The Shining when the kid is cy- cycling through the through the Overlook Hotel. Hotel. Yeah. He said he's the one who did that shot. Oh wow. He said wow. he did the steady cam shot because it was the first film in the UK to use a steady cam. It had just been and nobody knew how to work it and he was like, Yeah, I did that. Ah, uh, cool. Yeah, I wanted to actually interview him because he said he'd been on the set of every single Bond movie. Like wow. ever. Yeah. And he had some stories about Sean Connery and an island and women and a helicopter, but never mind. <laughs> never mind. Sharon, what did you see in the cinema? I went to see a film called Herself. Herself, herself. Okay, I've heard things about this. And I, I saw, um, I mean, I think earlier this week, I sent you guys a message going, is there anything new in a cinema near you? Because there was nothing new in the, it's kind of become like, you know, almost my nemesis. It gives me films to watch, but also it doesn't give me some films to watch. <laughs> and the View Cinema Redditch, who, that, who, I, who I complain and I whinge and I moan about, they, uh, I looked on Tuesday. Tuesday is usually my, my movie watching night. And there was nothing. Everything that was in that cinema, we'd either watched it before or we, I knew that we're not going to watch it. Like Paw Patrol, the movie. We're not watching Paw Patrol, the movie. So 
So, uh, so, but then all of a sudden on Wednesday, the many saints of Newark showed up, and I was like, "What? What? It got released on a Wednesday. What's going on here?" So it showed up on Wednesday, but not on, the, not on the Tuesday. So I went to see the many saints of Newark, which is subtitled "A Sopranos Story." It's kind of a prequel to the I TV series. Saw the trailer for that. Yeah, the Sopranos. Um, so anyway, what did we see at home? Okay, well, I I saw Gunpowder Milkshake. Oh, yep, cool, good stuff. I saw that too. I saw that we had a family film night watching Gunpowder Milkshake. All right, cool. Good to know. Uh, Sharon, what did you see at home? I saw a film called A Blue Miracle. All right. On Netflix. Uh, On Netflix. And I saw, I saw, what did I see at home? I saw, oh, something called The Kid Detective. The Kid Mm -hmm. Detective on Sky Cinema, which is something I... I mean, I, it's one of those few films that you see the trailer and you go, you know what? I think I want to watch that, and mm-hmm. uh, did. And I, it might be a bit of a spoiler for the review to say I was not disappointed. But <laughs> let's see, where shall we start this week? Where shall we start this week? Let's start. I'll tell you what. I'll kick off. How about I kick off with the Many Saints of Newark? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll be off. interested in this because I've never seen The Sopranos. I mean, I'm obviously I'm aware of it. But I've mm-hmm. never seen The Sopranos, so same here. Um, I've never seen it. So I'm culturally aware of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, and so this will be an interesting to see if it's worth a watch or not. So I'm looking forward to this one. Okay, and just like you guys, I also have never seen The Sopranos. Oh right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. I've never seen The Sopranos, <laughs> and part of me, the only reason I watched this was because it was the only film that I, that I could actually yeah, get yeah, to yeah. watch. Because um, and there is there is there. With the idea of this film coming about is quite similar, quite similar because um, to another beloved TV show that lasted a couple of series seasons and then ended up with a movie being made after years after the show was ended, and that was Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad made this film called El Camino, which we reviewed, which I reviewed on the show. And I remember Sean, you asked, you asked, "Oh, do you have to have watched Breaking Bad yeah. to have watched this?" And I think with that, I I was like, I. I struggle to see how you would be able to follow that film if you hadn't watched Breaking Bad because right, it's almost a yeah. direct is a is a direct follow on from this. This takes a different tact because David Chase, the guy who created The Sopranos, has said has gone on record as saying he has no interest whatsoever in doing a what happened after the final scene of The Sopranos. He says he has no interest whatsoever, but he's gone back into the past, and this film starts in 1967 in Newark, and there was this thing called the Newark race race riots. So it goes into the, the like this at this time, Tony Soprano, who is the main character of The Sopranos, is a child. So he is about, I don't know, five years old or something like that. Where, no, no, pro- probably more like eight, eight years old when this film starts. And you get to meet like his family and everything like that. And they're, they're involved in crime. And you get to see, I think the period detail in this is amazing. And, then I, and I think, Sean, for the period detail, I think you would love the first half of this film. I think you would absolutely love it. Because the way it sets everything up, it talks about how the race riots started because a taxi, a black taxi driver got killed by the police. And talk about things that are, like, you know, very, very timely. He got killed by the police. And then this riots kicked off. And then it goes into how the crime, the sort of, like, mostly or the Italian crime families went, oh, well, if these riots are happening, we can do all this crime and we can get away with all this crime. And... You have Alessandro Nivola, who plays Dickie, Dickie Moltisanti, who is um, Tony, he's Tony Soprano's uncle. And he is, he is the main character of this film. So one of the best things about this film is that it doesn't do, oh, let's do young Tony Soprano, and let's find out how he found his love of pasta, or anything like that. It actually, he is, for most of the film, Tony Soprano is a background character. 
and I think it's a great, great idea. To, he's a background character, and you have his uncles, and you meet all these new characters that you do not have to have any knowledge of the Sopranos to follow these characters. So you have, and I think it has Alessandro Nivola, who is brilliant in this film. He is absolutely brilliant in this film. There's a woman called Michaela. I can't remember her last name, but she's brilliant. She plays like, um, because you have Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta is in this film. And I think there is something clever about the casting of Ray Liotta because there are bits of this film that you you keep thinking Goodfellas, especially (laughs) at the beginning of the film. Because if you think about the way Goodfellas starts when he's a kid and he's seeing like all these gangsters walking around, it's like, you know, it's Fairbanks, I can remember I wanted to be a gangster. And that's like, you know, Ray Liotta doing that. This film starts with a voiceover as well. There's one particular scene where there's somebody who's walking away from a building with a fence that's on fire behind him. And I just thought, hang on, that's Goodfellas. That is a, that's, <laughs> a, that's a Goodfellas shot from a slightly different angle. And the fact they have Ray Liotta in it, who obviously in Goodfellas was this young guy who, who saw the wonder and the brilliance of the gangster life. And in this film, Ray Liotta plays an old dude who's almost at regret about the gangster <laughs> life. And, like, and I'm just kind of like, that's genius casting it sort of gets you into the theme of the film almost straight away boom and all and i i think he's really good and i also think he is brilliant in this there are some scenes where he's having he's having a scene with alessandro nivola and alessandro nivola says something and just from ray Liotta's eyes you can see exactly what he's thinking and i think it is some it's some amazing acting in this so i think it's really good i think i love the period detail i don't know much about the sopranos but there's bits where you, they do something and you kind of feel I feel like that's like a reference to something else in the Sopranos or like, you know, but the, the, because there's some characters that when they show them, there's a character that gets born during the film. And you're like, you know, if that character has born now, that character has got to figure in the Sopranos right now. So in this scene where Tony's meeting this baby cousin, there's something going on here that I don't understand because I don't know <laughs> because I haven't watched <laughs> the Sopranos. So yeah, all in all, I thought it was, I thought it was a really good film. I think Vera Farmiga or Vera Farmiga, I never know how to pronounce her last name. She plays Tony Soprano's mum, and she is awesome. She is. So, I, I spent half the film trying to figure out if it was her or not. I was like, it looks a bit like Vera Farmiga, but I don't really know. <laughs> John Bernthal plays his dad. I think essentially the cast for this is stacked, and some of them don't really do anything. <laughs> it's almost as if the film has too much going on, as in you can tell that it, it the the source thing is a TV show because it's it the the pacing is slow. It moves along as it's it, it takes its own sweet time to do anything, and you feel as if. Oh, if we had another episode, if we had 10 episodes, you could go into that storyline. You could go into that storyline. And one of the ones I really liked was about, um, about there's a guy, Leslie Odom Jr., who plays, he plays like this, uh, uh, this black guy who the mafia used to do some of the dirty work. And there's a storyline about him deciding, you know what? Why should we actually work for white people? I want to build my own crime empire. So that's going on as well. So there's a whole bunch of different things going on. I don't think you need to watch The Sopranos to actually follow this. I think you're really quite. I think it's quite good, and it doesn't particularly show the mob life as something glamorous. It shows it almost as something just very down to earth. This is how things go on, and this is how fickle some people can be about things. Mm-hmm. So all in all, I would give. I would warn you that it is a bit slow. I, would, I think people who watch The Sopranos will get a lot more out of it. There are quite a few different storylines that don't really get followed up because there's not enough time. Um, because it's only a two-hour film. But all in all, I'll give this a four out of five. Cool. Yeah. All right, cool. And so we go from that to... Ooh, let's see. Let's go with Sharon, because I've just done a lot of talking, and I have I have a lot to say about Gunpowder Milkshake, which Sean has watched. So Sharon, tell us... We're going to go to Netflix and say, tell us what you saw this week. 
absolute miracle. Um, it's one of those, it, I suppose it's like a genre of um, inspirational, family-friendly, based on a true story sort of films, which is yes. um, probably what the neatest search engine I'm titled put in. But... <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like a. It does sound like a Netflix. Netflix subheading, you know, when they go like movies with a strong female lead. <laughs> yeah, they've got these, and they say because you watch this, you might like this. But anyway, it's basically it's based on a true story, and I'm I'm going to ask you a question actually part of the way through, and I'll okay. see if you can guess how how this film turns out. Oh, it's dear. basically set in Mexico, in the near past, and it's an a struggling orphanage where they take in street children or just abandoned children. And the couple who run it are a husband and wife who met on the streets, but they were both orphaned and end up being, you know, street children. And they're passionate about this orphanage where they take in all these um, these just vulnerable children and give them a home and sort of provide a family for them. And this guy is so loved that the children call him Papa and they just look up to him. But the orphanage is struggling. And then a storm comes and it floods the orphanage. And at the same time, they find out that there is this fishing competition that's going on where you can win an awful lot of money. Um, and there's a guy, a grizzled old sailor, old um, fisherman guy, played by Dennis Quaid, who has oh, won yeah. this competition twice before. And this year, because of um, a storm and a lot of the ships have been disabled, Normally, it's like an elite competition where only like the best, you have to qualify to be able to take part in this competition. This year, it's opened up to all comers. So anyone who's got a boat can enter this competition. And the person who lands the biggest fish, the biggest marlin or the biggest tuna or the biggest whatever, whoever lands the biggest fish um, wins an awful lot of money. Okay. Wow. A lot now, of money. What do you think will happen if a group of orphans <laughs> and a grizzled old fisherman enter a competition against all the odds? Well, if this what was a you, nice... and it's called Blue Miracle. If what it was a nineteen, oh, the, wow. if, if this was a nineteen eighties Amblin movie, I would say obviously the orphans and the grizzled fishermen are going to win. But obviously, this is true life. This is a true life story that you're telling us, Karen. So they must lose because it's true life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got Dennis Quaid in it. <laughs> oh, Dennis Quaid. Now, okay. Say? All right. Cool. Cool. All right. So, I, I think I will probably guess. Let you, you, as an inspirational true story, I'm not going to spoil the ending. <laughs> <laughs> but the ending was inspirational. Okay. And Julie um, and, and moving, and there's a lot of blue <laughs> in the film. So basically, it does what it says on on the tin. It is a film about blue and miracles. So they've been sort of like inside. It's actually quite a, a fun family film. There's not many because when I watch films with my mum, who's in her late 80s, um, there's certain films she doesn't want to see. <laughs> and when you go through like action films, yeah. Netflix recommends and you know that this is not going to be suitable for Ooh. either young children <laughs> or the very elderly. <laughs> And so it's, sometimes it's a struggle to find films that we can actually watch together. Yeah. So this was one we were quite pleased to find. So I was reading this blurb thinking, there shouldn't be anything offensive or alarming or horrible in there. And, mm -hmm. um, and there wasn't. So it's, a, it's like a, you would say it was like a, 
uh, sort of kiddie, elderly, <laughs> person-friendly film. And so it does exactly what it was supposed to do. It entertained for an hour and a half. It was, yeah, there's like a bit of an uplifting story in there. There were some, you know, child actors being, you know, child actors. Child. And there was then play. <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, it was, a, it was, it was what it was. I would say it was a solid three. I mean, I don't think these films, when they make them, they just must. I think the American audience they turn these out by the dozen, don't they, for the the sort of the God channels and for the inspirational. Well, you see, it's, that's the thing. That's the thing because you said once you said Blue Miracle, I was thinking that it is. It sounds like one of the Christian blockbusters, if you will. Yeah. That, yeah, because that is massive business. Is I mean, we know anything. Essentially, there's this sort of like christian industrial complex in america where yeah. they figured out how to make money around god so so and this is so is is spread to films so there's things like god's not dead fireproof um and uh and i figured yeah, there's a lot about true stories behind songs and famous songs as I've yes 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 those. i can only imagine i can only so, imagine yeah so it's so the so when you said blue miracle and you said inspirational i was like this sounds like one of those it is one of those. It's firmly in that that set. Yeah. So if you know what you're getting into, it's you know you know what you're getting into, and so it's almost like it's you're on safe ground. Ooh, the case for why, Christ. Yeah, I think it's what they I, they. I think they've identified that there's a market for this film, and so oh, totally. you know, and then that's sort of, we're sort of filled forward in that market. I mean, I'm happily to all watch anything really, but if you want to stay safe. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like a safe film. It's you know you're completely within your comfort zone. You can watch it with mum. You can watch, watch it, it with mum. It was a completely a safe film to watch. So yeah, this this, this is this is totally different to our family film night that we had the other night, which we'll yeah. talk about. It's like you watched Blue Miracle. We watched Gunpowder Milkshake. <laughs> so speaking so about Orphan, yeah, sorry, sorry, Sharon, you give it a three. Three and where can move on. <laughs> three, okay, three for Blue Miracle. Yeah. And now, speaking about that orphans, adds on nicely, doesn't it? It does <laughs> go on nicely. It does go on nicely. Is is that by any chance the same film you watch shown with a different title? A film that I, I that I, I have been it calling could be yeah, you know, one of those nice, feely, good, family friendly. I actually, mother. Yeah. I, I actually, I actually heard you. Uh, uh, well, you told me the title of this, and I actually wrote down 12 Angry Orphans." I was like, "Wait, that that has got to be wrong. No one's going to call a film." What's it, what's it say? Twelve Angry. There's only one film you're thinking of. You're going to yeah. call a film Twelve Angry Orphans." But <laughs> even though it might be a nice sort of like you know art house thing where they recast Twelve Angry Men, but only with orphans, and so it makes a difference. But you saw a film called Twelve Mighty Orphans." Twelve Mighty Orphans. Yeah. This was in the this was in the cinema. This was at the cinema, yeah. This was. This at the was. A, I have heard nothing about this. <laughs> so, absolutely nothing. So well, tell us what. Well, what well, is this? This is what I figured. I was looking to watch something. Now I figured that you would probably because I, I noticed the Sopranos had come out on the, oh, yeah, yeah, on the yeah. Wednesday, so I thought, well, that's probably because that was one I was looking at. Yep. And then I thought, and I thought Sharon would was be herself. I thought, yeah, that's a Sharon film. It's got to be a Sharon film. So. I should watch this 12 Mighty Orphans. And it is American football, and I'm into my American football, so this should be be an interesting film to watch. So see, this is how you know we've been doing this podcast for too long. Sean can read our minds. <laughs> <laughs> Sean is going, yeah, Tosin would see that, and Sharon would see that. I'm going to go see that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, this this film, this is about... Um, there's an orphanage, which leads on nicely from Sharon's. Um, there's this orphanage in Texas. It's based on a true story, Masonic Orphanage. 
and this um, professor arrives with his wife and his family um, and he, he starts football coaching. He's, he's had some trauma in the past because he went through the First World War and you get a few flashbacks of some of the things he went through, which, but that stands him in good stead because obviously these orphans, although they're like 17, they've, you know, their, their parents- They've seen some stuff. Yeah, they've seen some, they've seen some stuff. So he can really, so he works really well. And it's basically, it's true. So these, there's these 12 orphans. So when is it set, sorry, Sean? Is it oh, set sorry, like so, the yeah, 30s? depression. This is depression. It starts oh, off right. with, yeah, it's set, set up in the 30s, 40s. Um, and it starts off with with sort of footage of the depression era and you know so this becomes the these orphans they become a football team american football team and it's, it's really interesting the fact that they've got the old hats and pads because i didn't think they played with pads in the old days i, I recognize the old leather hats but they oh, actually yeah, yeah. like leather pads because there's one bit in it where one go going one of the coaches is saying he's got iron in them pads that's not fair he's got iron in them pads so the referee goes i'm sorry coach i'm gonna have to I'm gonna to have to check the pads. Go, no, that's fine. But anyway, so so yeah, so there's American football. I love American football, and it's quite interesting because this is where there's only twelve, so he hasn't got enough players to play. But they have to play all the whole game. They have to play offense and defense. Oh and yeah. Of course, they go on this little bit of a run, and they. Oh, so, really... so, so Sean, for those of us who don't know, how many people do you usually have in America? There's eleven. Football? There's eleven. Eleven people on on the uh, in a, on the field at any time. In a, all so, right. Um, and of course, some of, some of the other high school teams, they had, you know, 30 players, so they could rotate quite a lot. Whereas these guys, oh, they had to play, so they had to be, be on the field all the time, really, or by one of them. And uh, they start to have this little run. And of course, they become popular and they become like celebrities. Obviously, this is the era of the Depression. So it's like, oh, you know, these orphans, because you've got all these <laughs> privileged kids that are, that are starting to... Um, you know, they've got nice, nice uniforms and all things like that. But yeah, basically, yeah. and obviously there's a few, it's quite a good cast in this. There's Mark, Martin Sheen, is it? he plays like an old doctor that they look up to. And then you've got a really, really nasty sort of teacher that exploits the boys and uses them to, to make things and sort of beats them and stuff. So you've, you've, you've got a few, you know, you've got a few conflicts between the staff. Um, and the sheriff, but there's a couple. There's a couple of good moments that you got the sheriff who you don't really know if he's for the boys or if he's with the nasty teachers that are exploiting the boys. You don't really know until the end. So that that's quite an interesting. Okay. Um. So yeah. So basically, it's it's a it's a feel good story. There's nothing nasty in it. You could watch it with your mum. You could watch it with anybody. Um. Yeah. It's. <laughs> There's nothing really new in it from some of the other, like we were saying about basketball movies and things like that. There's not really, I think after a while, this is, it's not as good as Remember the Titans. And I think oh, you've, yeah, seen, yeah, yeah. You, you've seen Remember the Titans, but it's yeah, very much, the Titans the... it's very much in that vein, but, but much sort of nicer <laughs> and much. Um, is it, like is, it remember the, is it Remember the Titans Jr.? Remember the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, yeah, remember the junior titans, the junior titans, yeah. This remember the like, teen titans, yeah, the teen titans. So, yeah, so this is basically a really feel good film. A bunch of no hopers or considered losers that start to become really, really good. And there, there's a few, obviously, the people at the state they don't want them to win, so they try to find excuses. Oh, this, uh, there's a bit of a courtroom case where they say one of the one of the orphans was too old to play, but it comes, you know, and it's it's all a bit. And Roosevelt, the president, gets involved in all that, and it all becomes a bit like you know. So, 
So, okay, um, while we were on here, I went and had a look, and it's based on a non-fiction book, so it's based on... But it's based on a true on story. True story yeah. Based on a true story, yeah. a bit like Blue Miracle. All friends are in the air tonight, I don't understand. But... I know, I know, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so, yeah, it's... Go on. So, why I just ask, you know, with Remember the Titans, a big part of it was the race element, because you were yes. trying to segregate, yeah. like, a team with black yeah. and white... Is there, is there an element of that in this? There's no element of that whatsoever. There's okay, no so all the offerings are white. Yeah, all the orphans are white and okay. all the teams they play are, are, are white as well. So. Okay, cool, good. In so fact, thinking about it, I don't think... Oh, there might have been... No, I don't know if there was. I don't even... No, no, I don't think there was. So, okay, yeah, cool, so... Cool, good. So, pretty... so they, that's that... Yeah. Okay, so remember the teen titles, not so much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not so much. So, yeah, basically, Mighty Orphans, it was okay. It was... There was nothing really new in it. It was. It was a... It was a sort of three-star film. It's a three-star film, basically. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, I didn't like it, but I didn't think, whoa! And I do like yeah. my American voice. Yeah. And it had moments, and it had a few good dramatic moments. And you did have, at the end, you had the actual footage of what had happened to all these these orphans and what they'd done. Like, most of them went into the military. Some of them became, you know, and they, they all did pretty well for themselves. Uh, yeah. Luke, yeah. Luke Wilson plays the coach. Yeah. Oh, well. So, this sounds like, I don't know, it has quite a good... That's a good cast. It has a good cast, but like you know, people who were never particularly A-list, like mm. Wayne Knight, Robert Duvall, Martin Sheen, that is a, a good cast. But in, interesting. It almost makes me feel like this is a kind of film that came about because people needed work after the pandemic. But no, <laughs> it was filmed before the pandemic. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was filmed before the pandemic. All right, cool. So that is three stars for twelve mighty orphans. Although I've I've say one thing about. I think American football is probably the sport that comes off best on film. I totally agree with you. I, I think, think so, yeah. I think soccer. closely closely followed by basketball and probably... Essentially, they're all American. Baseball, yeah. The American yeah. sports, I think. The, the, the British sports, they don't really... I can't think of a cricket movie, to be honest. Oh, oh no, there, there is actually a cricket movie. There's a cricket movie. There, oh, I can't remember what it's called. There's a cricket movie, but it's... Oh, good Lord. Anyway... But there's uh, okay. some there's some rugby rugby things, but the the football ones are football, the the soccer British. Escape football to ones. victory. Yeah, it's all right. You know the thing is, I, I the think the mean es- machine. Yeah, I think I think I think escape to victory. Escape to victory is probably more seen as it is. It's a film that is widely accepted as not good, but it's also yeah. universally loved. Loved, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. They- that is these films that you see the crowd scenes and they're all dressed in like they're they've just like got a football crowd in haven't they and they say, mm. i'm gonna film this just <laughs> pretend it's during the war but they're all turned up in like their 70s flares <laughs> and you look in the crowd they're all literally leather bomber jackets and seven and flares yeah. with like a basically roll of scarf every now and then oh my god it is not period at all but it's still fun I and mean, everyone likes to see pele doing his flicky kicky thing and and Stallone being the American goalie goal yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah as that escape to victory escape to victory so 12 that's three stars for 12 mighty orphans oh, man okay I've got my head thinking now about good sports movie no 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 move on move on move. oh boxing boxing well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah boxing transfers pretty well boxing transfers pretty well to film yeah alright cool and now we go back to Netflix and Friends and we are going to talk about a film called The Kid Detective which is on Sky Cinema now I mentioned as this is a film that it's very rare nowadays that I see a trailer for a film and I go ooh 
that has made me think I'm going to watch that film. Most of the time, I uh, I think I've either decided I want to watch the film or not, and the trailer doesn't do anything to dissuade me one way or another. And this this actually made me. I watched the trailer and thought that could be interesting, mainly because it stays it stars Adam Brody. So Adam Brody mm, is this class. Kind of, yeah, Adam Brody is. Oh, oh, are you? You're not thinking of Adrian Brody, are you? No, 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 no. You're thinking of Adam Brody, the younger one. Yeah. Yeah, with the curly so. hair. Yeah, with the curly hair. Yeah, he is class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he, so. Yeah, yeah. Adam Brody, he, I think he is class. He came to prominence playing a character on the OC when he was like, you know, he was supposed to be playing a teenager and everybody said he was a standout from that show. And he he never really got like a big film career or anything like that. And the plot of this film almost kind of mirrors that. So it's called The Kid Detective because he plays this character who, when he was a teenager... He was he used to watch TV shows and he, he starts off with talking about when he watched all these detective movies from like the 50s and stuff. He would always guess who the bad guy was before the end of the film and he would always have solved the thing. <laughs> so he decided that he was so he set up as a um, as a, as a detective. He figured out one one small case. I want to figure out one that that case. He became like a celebrity in the local town and his picture was always in the paper and there'll be like a big story about when he solved the case. And so they they loved him so much because he found something for the town. So they gave him an office. He actually had an office in there and they said you have the office for life and the guy who gives out ice creams in the town said you have ice cream free for life and all that. And this is all when this kid is about 12. And so he becomes he and so he becomes a celebrity and people go like we've got a genius in the town. He's amazing. He's brilliant. And one day, the mayor's daughter goes missing. The mayor's daughter goes missing, and everybody is like, "Don't worry, we know you're going to figure this out. Don't worry, we know you're going to get there. Don't worry, we we know you're going to figure. We know you're going to crack this case." And he never cracks the case. And so it sort of it sort of jumps forward like twenty years. So he's now like in his thirties, and he's kind of a bit run down because not not solving this case kind of broke him and now he just has people who like kids come to him and go oh one of my friends said that he went down to boston for the summer and like you know he had he had a tryout with the with the white socks i want you to find out if he's lying or not and he's like he's lying (laughs) (laughs) it's like he's lying i've solved the case and that's kind of like where his where his life his life has got to his parents are like you know come in and look at him and they're like oh you sure you sure you still want to do this are you sure you don't want to sort of like do something else with your life we're a bit worried about you why don't you just give up this whole um um detective thing and he comes then he finally gets an actual case where somebody comes in and says my boyfriend was killed like last week you might have heard about the story I would like you to find out who did this. And he's like, okay, this is something I can do. I can actually do this. And I think for him, it's kind of almost like a little bit of redemption because Mm. this one case that he couldn't solve when he was 12 has dogged him. And he's like, no, I've got to do this because this is an actual thing. He's not even getting paid for it, but he wants to actually find out what happened to this boy. Why was this boy killed? And it's, it's funny because do you, do you guys remember a film called Brick? Not really. I think. It starred Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and it was directed by Ryan Johnson. And it's all, it's essentially, if you took Humphrey Bogart and you transplanted him to a 90s high school film and put, like, you know, him when he played, what was the name of that private eye he played? Phil Marlowe? Marlowe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you took, yeah. took Marlowe and put him in, in that, that's, uh, so Brick is essentially, like, a film noir, a film noir Humphrey Bogart mystery, but set in a 90s high school. And this wow. reminded me a bit of that because it's like he goes in and he starts, he starts has to do all this detective stuff to figure out what's going on or figure out who's doing what. And, and he and he goes to like these kids who are underneath the bridge to find out if there was drugs involved. He goes to the family. And there's a lot of times where this film, it 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 is being a, a 
typical detective story, but at the same time, it's playing with all the things you expect to see in a typical detective story, if you get what I mean. So, so I think people like us who know about film now and stuff, I think we'll, we'll love it because, you know, oh, this is what's supposed to happen, and then it just undercuts it with something else. And so it 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 starts off like, you know, a really, really sort of fun thing, a really funny, let's see what's going to happen here. It's going to be crazy. This guy thinks he's a detective, used to be a kid. Where the film ends up is somewhere a lot deeper. It's somewhere mm-hmm. a lot deeper. It's somewhere a lot more... And even when he finally... Okay, okay it, I, don't, I don't think it's a, it's a spoiler to say he solves the case. But when he solves the case, it's not what you expect. It doesn't go the way you want. And even the final shot of the film is kind of like... The, the final shot of the film, when it finishes, it makes you go, hang on, what did I just watch? <laughs> was it a romp? Was it a detective story? What, what what was the point of it? But it's I really really like this film. I really really like the film. I love the way it made you think. I love the way it played with what you expected. I think everybody is brilliant in it, and I think Adam Brody is brilliant. And it oh my god, the ending it ends in such a ends in such a like you know you know when you, you know when a film ends and you're sad, they're thinking how the hell would you deal with that? Like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, how does that even work? I, I'll give it a four out of five. And I would recommend, Ooh. I would recommend, go watch it. I know, I know we all have access to Sky Cinema. I'll say, go watch it. The Kid Detective with Adam Brody. I really, really enjoyed it. And I know I've just said this thing up to fail. And Sean's going to come back next week and go, Toast, I thought it was absolute <laughs> rubbish. If uh-huh. I could give it a zero, I would. <laughs> but, but, I would give this a four out of five. I've had a good week, but so and now we go back to um, we go back to cinema. We go back to cinema, and Sharon, you saw herself. So, herself, yeah. Tell us a little bit about herself. This is a film set in Ireland, and it is about a. It starts off with a woman at home with her two children, and she's just playing with the children, and then her husband comes in. And she says to the children, I'll go play outside for a minute, go play outside. And then just as the children disappear, she gives one of her daughters a little box and she says the code word, oh, Black Widow. And then you see this little girl basically running like mad and you think, what was that all about? And then her husband basically launches the most savage attack upon her, you know, hair pulling, slamming her head. Basically, he just launches this physical assault on her. Is Is that his wife or... That's his wife. And on the woman, yeah. And the two little, one little girl is hiding in like the playhouse in the garden. And the other little girl, when the black widow is basically her mum's safe word. So she says, if she says this, then she tells her basically her daughter has to run to the corner shop and get them to call the police. And that's the, she's already set up this because she knows that her husband is violent. And she's been trying to get out, but she just hasn't quite managed to leave yet. And so he discovers her stash of money that she's been saving up as her escape fund. And he basically, he goes for her. And that's the, the opening scene of the film. And then you jump to like six months later, where basically she's now living in um, like refuge accommodation. She's in a hotel room next to the airport in Dublin. Mm. And she's looking for a house and she's having to drive miles to take the children to school and then miles in the other direction. And she's got these two cleaning jobs and she's basically just at the end of her term. She doesn't know quite what to do. And then she's, yeah, she's living in this one hotel room with two small children and yeah, just doing cleaning jobs. And they, and she goes to the the housing officer and says, you know, where am I on the the housing list? And she's something like 349. Mm on the housing list. And so her chances of getting like her house of her own are 
remote to say the least and every time there's a house comes on the market her and the other 300 people on the houses basically turn up to say you know if they're willing to take like benefit money or the Irish equivalent of like your housing benefit they're saying oh yeah yeah we'll take in they will take money with benefits and then either get she either gets shown hovels or like three bedroom houses that she knows she hasn't got a hope of getting because they're going to want to give it to like the married couple with a and so she's nowhere. And then she sees this advert where this guy says, when you're struggling for money, you can actually build your own house for £30,000. And £30,000 or, or euros in this case, I think it's something like €40,000. It says it's it's out of her reach, but it's still achievable if she can get a loan. And first of all, she goes to the housing people to say, you know, you, you're you spending thousands of thousands a month on me, housing me in this hotel. Could you loan me this money? And then I'll go buy my, build my own house and it solves your problem. And they're like, no way. <laughs> then I won't give you the whole plot away. But in the end, she does get a piece of land and she is given some money. And then she sets about building her own house, almost like a prefab, but a house that she's... And the story unfolds is basically how... Through sort of building this house, she sort of goes through this process of self-discovery, and it sounds a little bit like Grand Designs the movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> and they, at one point, one of the people who helps her with the house starts taking pictures, and she's like, "Don't take any pictures, don't take any pictures." And he goes, "Oh, they want us to be sort of log it like you know Grand Designs, um, yeah. where I film you as you're building it." And she's like, "No, I don't want you to put anything out on there." And it's a secret because she doesn't want her husband to know because basically, yeah. if he finds out, he'll turn up advertise it yeah and, and he's sort of oh. To... Oh, oh sorry sorry so so this film follows the woman who got attacked at the beginning of the film yes oh i thought he followed her daughter sorry sorry i, I'm not, I never got it <laughs> no it's the mother the, yeah. two, the daughters are something like four and six yeah they're they're quite little okay gotcha. and then there's there's other dramas about there's a custody issue and there's a court scene and then there's other matters where her husband's family try to persuade her to come and live with them and that they can patch it all up. And so you've got this this sort of domestic struggle sort of built around the framework of them trying to build this home. And obviously this house is sort of symbolic of her trying to regain her independence from this relationship and trying to build a new life um, symbolically by building this actual physical house. Yeah. So yeah, it was good, well acted, it was well crafted. I have to say my only reservation was it, it felt a bit like um, it didn't feel very cinematic. Okay. Because it's about like a domestic violence issue because it's about this sort of internal struggle. To me, it wasn't a particularly cinematic experience. I think it felt like a slightly elongated television drama. It's mm-hmm. the sort of thing that you would see on a Sunday night, maybe a <laughs> two-parter on a Sunday night um, on television. But it was Grand good. Designs. Yeah, it was good. It felt worthy, and I felt you did feel moved by it. And I did was thinking about my experiences of maybe my policing experience of women with domestic violence. And there's only one thing that jarred with me, and there's a, there's a court case where one of the questions she was asked was, "You know, why didn't you leave him sooner?" I'm thinking mm. in this day and age, no one in the criminal justice system would say to a woman who has been the victim of domestic violence. Why didn't you leave? Because they know that it's never that simple. Mm. And it's never that, like, you know, you get hit, go, find somewhere else to live. It's never that straightforward. And I think anyone working within the criminal justice system would say, you wouldn't ask that question. You just wouldn't. Mm. And I think 
in this film when they said that to me that felt a bit clumsy because i was thinking you're, you're asking that question to give her the opportunity to answer it in a different way by saying you know so to me i felt that it was like they set up that question that it wouldn't really well they happen. set up that question to sort of like put, get their point across yeah to get their point across to say look you know you're picking on the wrong person here yeah. because like yeah, we know. That's why you wouldn't get asked that question if you're in a real criminal justice situation. So anyway, saying all that, I enjoyed it. I thought it was worthy. It sort of it had value. It had meaning. And it was moving, shocking in places. But I would still say, to me, it wasn't particularly cinematic. So I could only give it a three. Only give it a three. All right, cool. And so with that, we now go back to Netflix and Friends for our final, a final thing, <laughs> a final thing of a film that is one of these weird, weird things that has been happening a lot more. And it's one of the reasons why we even started doing this podcast, because the line is getting blurred between Netflix and mm, cinema, which yeah. is what, because when I, on my search for a movie to watch in the cinemas this week, I was started looking a bit further afield because the cinema is about 10 minutes from my house. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll just go 10 minutes. So I, but I said, okay, let me try and find something else and go a bit further. Go 30 minutes from my house. And there's a cinema that is showing this film on the big screen. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I thought, hang on, I thought this was a Sky Cinema thing because it's on Sky at, at home, but it's actually in some cinemas. Oh, it doesn't wow. Seem, it doesn't really? seem like, it doesn't seem like it's a wide release. It's in some cinemas. It's mostly on Sky Cinema, but it's in some cinemas. So the Empire Cinema in Great Park in Birmingham, I don't know what you're doing, but they have this film up. They have this film on the big screen. Um, but this is Gunpowder Milkshake. A Gun film that, milkshake. <laughs> yeah, a film that a friend of mine, Simon, Simon Edward Spartan, who is currently in the States, because he knows about he knows about films, he knows we do this podcast, he texted me about this probably about two months ago saying this is a really, really good watch. I'd heard the title for a couple of months, but I hadn't seen the film. The film has only just, it's been out in the States. It's only just made it to the UK. And Sean, would you like to far, okay. Should far I, away, tell far, us, tell oh, us. Far away. Okay. What, so tell us what the Bala Milkshake's about. Yeah, okay. So basically it's a story. It starts off in a diner um, with a mum and a daughter. The the mum's a bit of an assassin. She, she kills somebody. She has to hide and she sort of just disappears from this girl's life. This girl, grows up to become she sort of uh, becomes an assassin herself so she follows in her mum's footsteps basically and she she she's got to do a hit and it goes slightly wrong so and of course the people that she was supposed to be doing the hit for um decide to get angry with her and they obviously <laughs> send people to to destroy oh by the way yeah there's this little girl that tags along as well there's there's a little yeah. girl involved that, that yeah. tags sort of tags along which, which i thought it was great but um anyway so yeah so that's a basic story so you basically got a john wick story with like assassin gone wrong and a lot of people chasing a lot of people going after her and she's she's pretty good you know as a in fact in this film there's a lot of tones of like i would say it's a cross between probably kill bill and john wick sort of thing you know i know yeah. i mentioned john wick before but yeah yeah, yeah 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 and and some of the fight scenes in it certainly one in a bowling alley totally totally reminded me of um the crazy eight scene in the kill bill film yeah um and there's, there's a few other references that i picked up that which i thought oh yeah yeah this was quite good and the, a the action sequences i mean i could if i'd if I'd, if I'd have had my picky picky head on i could have probably found a few things but on the whole, I really started. I just enjoyed this, and I went with the ride, and I thought it was great. Oh yeah, and there's these like the librarians, the like, librarians. She got these aunties. She got these three aunties, which are like librarians, and they're obviously the library. 
Sharon, you, would, it, you would love Sharon. You would love to go in there. Let's just put it this way. You, well, I don't know if you would, but you probably would like to have seen their library. You would no, the library is awesome. The, 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 is, the set, the set cool. design, the set design <laughs> for the library is absolutely awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think, and when you have the librarians, I know that they are played by Michelle Yeoh, Cara Guccino, and Angela Bassett. You know. <laughs> Yes, you know that, that these, these these ain't your normal librarians. Let me put it that way. Yeah, they're pretty handy. Oh, okay, so so yeah, sure. I mean, a lot of things that you're saying is that I mean, I think John Wick has breathed some life into this sort of like single assassin who's the best in the world, going on a mission yeah, yeah. and blah blah blah. And and there, ever since John Wick came on and became such a hit, there are nobody films that you could is, is, you know how the other week we were talking about how you had die hard and after die hard was made you had films like toy soldier which is die hard in a school yeah. and and so there there's there's all these sort of like you know splinters off from john wick that have come on i think gunpowder milkshake is one i weirdly enough the day before i saw gunpowder milkshake i saw a film on netflix called kate just called kate which it's like the people were in the same room when they came up with the ideas for these two films because it's a similar thing. This woman is an assassin. She is the best of the world, all that kind of stuff. She ends up like, you know, with a kid tagging along with her while she's trying to commit complete a mission. And she has some sort of weird connection to what happened with the kid's parent because that kid is an orphan and she has something to do with that. It's almost like the same thing. And, and, and wow. only that, yeah, and I was kind of like, oh, there is definitely something in the water with this. But with, but what you were saying about Gunpowder Milkshake is that I agree with you that after a while, it's very soon this film tells you, don't take us seriously. Yeah. Like, not long after you start watching it, this film says, we're not to be taken oh, seriously here. And there's some, 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 some hilarious moments in it. The thing is, in the, in the doctor's place. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, doc- yeah. <laughs> I was... I was still like, oh yeah, okay, let's go. You know, let's be in that. I was yeah. like, oh, that was really, I really. L- was- okay, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that in this film has an action sequence in which somebody <laughs> has their arms paralyzed and has to take out three assassins that come at them. <laughs> yeah, but it's, 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 to, to me, it's the, it's the assassins as well, which like yeah, yeah, know, yeah, especially yeah. the one that's like got the bad leg, oh, like, the, the one, the one yeah. in the wheelchair, yeah, yeah, that, the, so, that was one of them, yeah. So yeah, so that I mean, and it was, it was, it was, it didn't take itself too seriously. Um, it was really, really good fun to watch. It was a really good watch. Um, I thought the acting was was terrific, and as I say, some some of the foibles didn't bother me at all. I just went with it and and really, really enjoyed it. You know, uh, short. Did you have any idea of where this film is set? Um, or when? No, I, I, I haven't really thought about that. I hadn't really thought about that. So I would say somewhere around about, well, I don't know, Los Angeles or somewhere, or Chicago. Well, I don't because know. because I'm because I'm looking at so some of the architecture in this film is like a mishmash. Like you know the the library itself. The yes. library looks like like an old European city. Yeah, it looks it like it's in Budapest or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there is. Yeah, and it's and the fact that everybody in this film. Nobody uses a smartphone. They use flip phones. They use things that look yeah. like the Nokia 3210. And they I'm like, phone, yeah. yeah, they have this baby. And I'm like, when is this film set? Yeah, <laughs> I know. It was, yeah, you, you're right. It wasn't. That's why I said Los Angeles, Chicago, because like the bowling alley remind me of like maybe a Los Angeles location. And like you yeah. say, some of the architect, it was like Chicago or, or somewhere like that. So, yeah, it was. that's an interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I have I, no idea. It's just. 
Yeah, you, you, it, it, it's, it's not the point, but it, it no. just it, it almost <laughs> kept, and the, the diner looks like it's set in the middle of the desert in Nevada or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so it, it's it, it is all over. Uh, it is a bit all over the shop. The the action sequences that are quite good, but it is it is essentially just an action movie. It's a fe- it's a female led, heavily female, heavily heavily female, heavily female led. Really, totally in fact, isn't it when you? When you think, it, about, you it think now, about it, it, is, it, it is, is totally female, <laughs> and it's brilliant because you have you have a you have an action sequence, right? You have this whole big climactic battle that has Karen Gillan, Le- Lena Headey, Michelle Yeoh, Angela Bassett, Cara Guccino taking on a whole bunch of men who are <laughs> Russians, big big Russian, like the whole practically big. the whole Russian mafia army has come. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there there were some of well, a busload of them. Isn't it? I think they actually turn up in a coach. They, they actually they, do. They, they actually they yeah, actually like, oh, literally turn oh, up in a bus. Oh, in a big big coach. Yeah, <laughs> there's literally a bus that, load. That was quite funny. Yeah. A bus load. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's yeah, and it, it's it's kind of weird though because it's and you. Although I'll tell you one, right? You know the you know the sort of second in command in the film. Which, the guy, oh, oh, what the Russian second? In yeah, 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 the, yeah, the yeah, one, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure that they are Russian because, like, you know, the main guy he has like he has an American accent. That's the one true. who's talking about his daughters and talking about I've always considered myself a feminist and all that. And but there's this guy who shows up with a toothpick in his mouth and he has like this hair that yeah, yeah. Sharon. You know how we were complaining about Frank Grillo's hair last week? Yes, mm. we found one that's topped it. Topped it, yeah, it's a, definitely. <laughs> it was like a it's oh, like an but, ant. Yeah. Oh my god! The guy, yeah. the guy showed up, and even the the first time you see him is in silhouette. And my first thought was, I don't know much about white white hair, but dude, wash your hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I, I I agree. It was it was uh, the, the second he showed up, you wanted him to. Second he showed up, you wanted like, to die. They just seemed like Russians. No, you're right, Tozen. They they didn't even really speak in a Russian accent, but you no, just no, assume the, that most of those. Yeah. Whenever you see him in every job, like, yeah, they always seem to be Russians. Yeah, yeah, you know, so it, it's a oh, bit of a job. Yeah, well, okay, but well, anyway, but sure. Anyway, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, but anyway, okay, let's go on to stars. What do you okay. reckon? Well, I really, I did thoroughly enjoy this film, so I'm going to have to say that you know it was a four star one for me. This, I, I okay. really did enjoy it. All right, four star, four star for that. Uh, I thought that it ran out of steam towards the end. Fair enough. I, yeah, I, I thought it ran out of steam towards the end. I thought that there were a couple of there were a couple of things that, uh, as, I, as much as I enjoyed some of the things, there were a couple of things where I was like, well, it's not really setting itself apart <laughs> be, um, from a, uh, for, from from a whole bunch of things. I personally would give it a three, but um, fair enough. No, that's that, that's fair comment. I mean, I I I don't normally laugh at films like that, but as I say, that scene, and I still got a picture of it in my head now. That where they're in the doctor's thing. And the bloke with the gun that's hobbling, I just yeah. it just made me laugh. It just made me, it really, really tickled me that did I? I think the film does do a lot of it. Does it, it has a fine line in it has a it does it has a fine line in in coming up with weird situations like essentially. <laughs> When they're in the doctor's office, you have this all. They have this bunch of assassins who are trying to kill somebody, but they 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 are all on laughing gas. Incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> they're all on laughing gas. So it's it's kind of like there, there's a whole bunch of things. There's there's all these random things that they do in the film that are quite good. Oh, oh, and I I reckon Sean. I reckon Sean. I know you hate car chases. Oh, yeah. And I reckon that in this film they've managed to do a car chase that you can get behind. Yeah, I could probably. Yeah, yeah, I could probably forgive this car chase. Yeah, the, yeah, the, no, I know. Yeah, 
there, there is yeah. there is a bit of there's an inventive car chase in it. There's an inventive car chase in it that I that I, I when I was watching I was going, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's good. That's different. That's different. But yeah, um so anyway, that is it. For our reviews this week, would you guys like to guess which has come out ahead? Netflix or cinema this week? I think Netflix by point five. I think it's net. I think it's home viewing this week. Home Netflix viewing, yeah. Friends. Home. Okay, if we're taking an average, if we're taking an average, and if we are being generous and using Sean's rating of Gunpowder Milkshake and not my rating of Sean Gunpowder Milkshake, the well, winner... that's where the that's where the point five comes in because I was thinking. Okay, all point, right. Because we could use both of ours as a seven. Yeah. And, oh, you know, I see. You're, you're, thinking, you're thinking like you're thinking like if we add them all up. Yes. You're saying if we add them all up. Oh, add them okay, all cool. up on average. All right, yeah. give, me, give me a second while I do some maths. Uh, <laughs> uh, add them yeah. all up. Some, you'd, some, love that, uh, you'd love that library, Sharon, especially Pride and Prejudice. I think you'd probably all know Jane Eyre, whichever one it was. No, honestly, the, the, library, the, the library scene, the library set is beautiful. It is, it is. It uh, is. Well, the li- uh, this is a film I'm aware of. I haven't seen it yet, but I will probably will see it, but... Um, that sounds good to me. As long as they don't damage any books when they're having their, ooh, they have ooh, a fight. Ooh, you see, you see that? Now, Sean, <laughs> this was the point. This was the point in which I thought that maybe right. Sharon, okay. because yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll tell you what. We're going to set the film in a library. Then we're going to spend the next half an hour ripping the books apart, and it's just like no. Okay, so Sharon, I that. would, I would recommend you watch the first half of this <laughs> film. <laughs> The first half of the library scene. <laughs> I think you remember, remember you like, the yeah, first. Ruin the books. That's the whole. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but I think it's the kind of film in which you can see. I think everybody in the film is having fun, and yeah. most most of the fun translates to to you watching. And it's the kind of film that you, you can th- see. Whatever I, I quite I quite rate Karen Gillan, really. I think Karen I mean, Gillan is good. She's yeah, been, she's been good, good in a lot of lot of stuff. Okay, game. I've done my maths. Okay, Going back cool. to it, and Sean is exactly right. If we oh, add up all the whole thing, this week cinema has amassed ten points, and getting an average of my score and Sean's score for Gunpowder Milkshake, Netflix has amassed ten point five points. <laughs> yes. So the first round we had many sense of Neurowork four, and we had Blue Miracle with three. The second round things got flipped around a bit with Twelve Mighty Organs with three. Organs, twelve mighty oh, organs. Oh, mighty organs. <laughs> That'd be an interesting movie. Twelve mighty organs. Oh, <laughs> twelve mighty orphans with three, and the kid detective with four. And then in the final round, we had herself with three, and Gulpelda Milkshake with two ratings of four and three, giving it an average rating of three point five. And therefore, we have ten points for cinema, ten okay. and a half points for Netflix. Way the true winners, well I would say, are us. Us, yeah. uh, yes. you like that? Cheesy enough for you? Was that inspirational? <laughs> Was that inspirational enough, Sharon? Yay! The true hey. winners are us. We all win. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. That's it, all right, really. cool. Okay, so, cool. so yeah, that's it. Until next week, in which I am probably, probably going to be complaining about how I can find nothing to watch at the View Cinema Reddit. Until <laughs> next week, if if uh, I don't know if I'm going to keep this in for the audio-only version of the podcast, but if you just wondered what the heck we just did. Go find us on YouTube. Go find us on YouTube and you can see the quiz there where Sean was talking about and the picture that he has behind his head. And, oh, find us just same way. Like, you know how we always like to give people a shout out when they pay us any attention whatsoever. (laughs) Any attention whatsoever. We're like, oh, thank you. Thank you for noticing us. (laughs) And so I'd like to say... um, 
thank you to Ranta Monroe, somebody who called Ranta Monroe has subscribed to us on YouTube. I think it might have been after listening to your People Just Do Nothing um, uh-huh. review, short And <laughs> liked it, gave us a thumbs up, and then subscribed to us straight away. So thank you very much, Ranta Monroe, for joining us on YouTube. Tell your friends. Get everybody else to join us. Yeah, get us a big following because we talk some good stuff. <laughs> anyway, until next week when I will probably be ranting, as I said, about what cinemas i can't get into to watch anything we've so got, goodbye got, from me we've got june and james Bye bond we? <gasps> and it's a goodbye from me oh oh okay ooh. we might have messed up the the goodbyes before good reason i have heard some amazing things about dune oh i had i had a friend who managed to go to a media screening of dune oh he so he's seen it and he is itching to talk about it with somebody who's seen it. But he was like, I don't want to... In his words, he was like, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything from you, but you will not be disappointed. Is what he said about Dune. So, yeah, I've, I've heard some really, really good things about Dune. Yeah, so, Alex, Alex, thanks for the heads up. And is, so Dune's out next week. Yeah, wow, so that's out Friday, I think. Okay, cool. Then that puts pay to my plan to read the book before I watch the film. But... <laughs> yeah, <I've- laughs> <laughs> I've not read the film. I've seen the, the David Lynch film, but I haven't read the book. Yeah, yeah, I've I've got the audio book somewhere, but I keep losing my place in it, so I can never finish it. But uh, anyway, goodbye. We'll see you guys next week. We'll see. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> Poss- possibly, possibly with a Dune review. <laughs> um.